Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have with me Erica Duran. Erica, hello. Aloha. Thank you. Uh, aloha to you, which means to uh, hello and goodbye is my understanding, right? Right. That's right. <laughs> Correct. We'll chat a little bit more about Hawaii. But Erica is the, the business coach for modern online entrepreneurs and, and this is a mouthful, and a freedom-based luxury lifestyle designer. And we're going to get into what that means. Uh, she works with service-based entrepreneurs like professional organizers, coaches, and consultants uh, who are ready to make money doing work they love from anywhere. So that starts to give you a clue as to what she means by freedom-based and lifestyle designer. Uh, she doesn't believe in formulas or blueprints and instead works with each client to bring out their unique brand essence, which makes their competition irrelevant and helps them to build a strong online platform. She's the host of the Freedom-Based Lifestyle Design Radio podcast and web TV show, which she hosts and sponsors and and uh, usually broadcasts live from luxury resorts all around the globe. Uh, Erica has published over 100 articles. Uh, she's an expert contributor to such platforms and uh, periodicals as Amex Small Business Open Forum, Franklin Covey, Mashable, Lifehacker, Under 30 CEO, Ladies Home Journal, Secret Entourage, Go Fire Yourself, Jennings and & Wire, and, and many more. So she's been published and recognized as an authority certainly on this topic and has a very successful business. In this episode, we're going to talk about her journey, going from working in the corporate world and transitioning to becoming her own boss. And then we're going to dive into what she's an expert in now, which is helping people design this, this lifestyle, this freedom-based uh, approach to living and working. It doesn't apply to every business, obviously, but it certainly applies to many more businesses than you might think. And so we'll chat about that. She has a lot of great insights on procrastination, and that's something that applies to anybody and everybody. And so those are the kind of things that we have on the agenda to, to focus on. But once again, Erica Duran, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's always weird to hear your life read before you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So you're not currently in Hawaii, I gathered from another recent podcast, or where are you these days? I am right now I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, hosting some VIP days. Interesting. All right. And so I know and we'll get into this. You don't have a home base necessarily, but where, where are you going next? You were in Hawaii for a while. So tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I, I'm technically based in Orange County, California, Newport Beach, but I haven't been there in a couple months now. Uh, but it just depends a, a greatly on where the sponsors are, where I connect with the sponsors. So I'm, I'm not necessarily your global globetrotter jet setter. I mostly stay in beachy type places like the Caribbean, Hawaii, uh, Orange County, Laguna Beach, things like that. Right. 
And so you had, you just recently did a stint in Hawaii, and then I think I heard in another podcast you're thinking about Palm Island and the Keys. Is that right? That's right, right. There's two Palm Islands, so it gets confusing. Ah, confusing. One one's okay. in the Keys, and one is in more to, in the heart of the Caribbean. <laughs> I see. I was wondering because you were describing that in another episode, and I thought, okay, Palm Island is in the Keys. I didn't realize there was another Palm Island in the Caribbean. I see. Yeah, I, I have trouble saying it's Grenadas. Or so, I have trouble saying where it actually is, but it, there's two of them. One's Little Palm Island in the right. Keys. One is the other one. That's right. That's the qualifier. <laughs> Little Palm Island is in the Caribbean. Right. Right. E- either one of those is fantastic because it's in the Caribbean. <laughs> the weather is warm and the water is beautiful and that's all good. Mm-hmm. So that's where you think you're going next or it's on the horizon? Yeah, except the Hilton Waikoloa has just reached out to me to come back. So uh-huh. I might take a little trip back there too. <laughs> yeah, not a bad place to go again. <laughs> Very well. So let's start with uh, where, where you started and how you segued into becoming an entrepreneur. One of the quotes I read as I was researching your background, you said, I believe, quote, I always knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur, end quote. Tell us about that. How, how far back do you remember thinking that's what I want to be? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to be time and location independent, but I did the normal route and went to college and majored in hotel restaurant management, worked at Disneyland, worked at a ton of resorts, uh, and my last resort was in uh, Marriott. I was a marketing executive, uh, and I, the whole time I was in any kind of job or corporate, I was just frustrated and uncomfortable and not a morning person, didn't like showing up uh, at, at the appropriate times. Not that I was late, but just I wasn't happy about it. And uh, just basically walked out at lunch one day and didn't go back from my last job in uh, 2004. Wow. So you say you always had this desire to be time and location independent, which is not typical, right? We, we Most of us grow up and I guess it depends on what was modeled for you, thinking I'm, I'm going to do the traditional thing, uh, get a job, go to school, get a job, get a house. So why was that something that was in your mind? I, I don't think that was typical with your friends, was it? No, and it was weird because I'm 41, so the internet back then wasn't like it is at all. We didn't have a bunch of digital nomads running around and a bunch of lifestyle entrepreneurs running around back then. Uh, I... I guess going back, the one thing I can say is my mom was a travel agent and she used to take me on her fam trips with her. And I just loved the resorts because they were, I'm a minimalist and they were just so perfect all the time. There was no clutter and you just take what you need on a trip. So there's a lot of themes there that probably shaped my later years. And then I I think it was, I left corporate in 2004. I think 2006 is when uh, Four Hour Workweek came out, and that's what kind of uh, validated my idea. I had this idea, and then I read the book, and I'm like, like you said, my friends. I was like, see, <laughs> it yeah, is. I'm not crazy. You can do this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, so that definitely had an impact. My my wife is a travel agent now. Oh wow! But, uh, but I can see how that had an impact on you uh, early on that right. desire to go to different places and not be one place. That was definitely, yours was not the typical definition of what that life, successful life would look like. But nonetheless, you went into the corporate world because 
I went into it just it just felt like the right thing to do. I I got married. I got the house with the picket friends. I I didn't go the kid route. So that's <laughs> that's you know my you know an opinion and a choice that I made. But uh, all the other things were pretty typical. Uh, and working in in the hotels was just an evolution of my degree. Like I said, I had a hotel management degree, and it just seemed like that that was what I was supposed to do. I didn't know anyone personally. You know, when you read a book like Four Hour Work Week, you think it's some fantasy, and it's more for sometimes you some people read it more for entertainment than a textbook, like I did. <laughs> and uh, just not even a lot of pressure from family and friends to go the normal route. I I don't. I think that's probably what really gets to me with the whole lifestyle design piece because you really do have to design your lifestyle first and then create a business to fit in it. And I just want my clients and everyone to wake up and stick your head out from the cubicle and the picket fence and really decide what you want, what you want your life to look like. So that's what frustrates me sometimes when people are just going, uh, not really being aware of their own life and just going through the motions. Yeah. Cause I, I suffered from that. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, so I got to think that's what it was. You had this dream, but you didn't think it could be realized. You didn't think that was possible. You thought it was just a dream maybe until you finally came together and you read this book and technology advanced. You thought, wait a second, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that point, then you quit your job and, and started what business? I started my professional organizing business. So I would organize homes and offices for other people and set up systems for productivity and time management and their systems for their family, things like that. And I know there was a lot you've shared in other uh, podcasts and online that there was a lot that came to a head in your life, but you said another quote I read is, quote, so one day I made a decision to sell almost everything I own. So tell us about what got you there and why you made that decision. Right. Well, I was a professional organizer for quite a long time, and I even built it into a mini franchise system. And part of our part of our services was to sell the clutter for the client. We had our own version of eBay basically called the Clutterbug store and we would on consignment sell the clutter so people would get some money back for their stuff and also it's a little bit of an incentive to get it out of their clutches <laughs> and get them to declutter. So I found my being going back in the story, remember I said I wanted to be always wanted to be time and location independent, but then I woke up one day basically and found myself in a huge warehouse full of clutter, full of other people's clutter, because we had to in a warehouse to sell online. And I, I just kind of in one instant, woke up and said, What am I doing? I this is the exact opposite of what I want. I don't want to be in this warehouse every day. I don't want to be in the same town every day. And I'm a minimalist. And I'm just surrounded by clutter all day long. (laughs) Interesting. So you you went and created a business for yourself that ended up not matching what you wanted out of a lifestyle. Right, right. And I can't even say why. I I think it was a lack of coaching, honestly. I mean, if I had a business coach that dug into or a life coach that dug into my desires and, you know, tried to put a plan together to manifest them, I would have 
been a whole lot better, but I was just going, you know, whole other stories, getting divorced and everything. So I had to make money. And that was my passion was organizing and helping people declutter. So it seemed obvious, just like the hotel job seemed obvious after my major, you know, it looked successful. Oh, she got a job as a hotel executive. That's, you know, hardly anyone does anything that's matching their major. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, she loves organizing events and places and decluttering people and putting in systems. That's perfect for her. Like, yeah, it looks like a success. <laughs> but you just hadn't really reconciled completely what you were really looking for in a lifestyle. And that's why it kept, I think it kept coming to a head. So Clutterbugs, which was the name of that business, what did you end up doing with that business? We, I was able to sell the proprietary software for the consignment portion of it. So that gave me a little bit of money to kind of have some time and space to really think about what I wanted to do. So you've also shared that you have a high, you say you have a high tolerance for risk taking when it comes to business. Did you always have that tolerance for risk or did that develop over time? Tell me a little bit about that. I think I have looking back. I mean, I remember this one story where uh, my husband would, when I was married, my husband came home from work one day and there was a for sale sign on the house. You know, I just wanted to get out of that town, and I just so he he was like, "What the, what the heck?" <laughs> um, so that's that's one like an example of things I would do in, in my life of taking risks, and I I think I kind of always have it. I'm actually more careful these days than I than I was in the past. I was probably you know pretty energetic twenty something, you know, yeah. taking on the world. <laughs> But was it also a symptom of you hadn't found the right thing yet? I think so. I Yeah, and if again, if I would have been maybe supported or pointed in the right direction, I probably would have made a whole lot less mistakes. But then I, I wouldn't have the character, I think, that I have now. So in the end, of course, it was all worth it. But during that time, it was very frustrating and very uh, depressing, actually. Yeah, I can imagine. And you wouldn't have the confidence that you have now also in knowing that this is what you're meant to be doing, right? Right. And and the confidence that's, that makes you, when you don't have it, makes you have a feast or famine cycle in your business. So it all, it all works together. All right. So let's start with uh, this question as far as how you help your clients. But how does someone begin the process of finding a business that fits their lifestyle? Or is it a matter of first, I would think, defining what that ideal lifestyle is? Where does someone begin? Yeah, it, it's a really long process. It's pretty messy. The first three or four weeks I work with someone, if they haven't been doing any soul searching or self-development work or anything, it's pretty messy. A lot of people come to me, they don't have any idea of what type of business they want. And we just start digging. I start asking my welcome packets and everything. I start just digging and asking the same question several different ways. Because if I ask them the same question in different ways but get the same answers, I'll probably get to the truth. And asking them a lot of things about what do you do on the weekends when you're not thinking about work or what do you do, what did you do as a child? And if you had the house to yourself for a week, what would you do? And things like that to kind of get to their truth. Is it fair to assume that most people who come to you, they know something's wrong. They know they need to make a change, but they don't 
necessarily know what that change is? Yes, I get two types actually. One is someone who's in a nine to five job and it's completely frustrated and fired up and wants to get out as soon as possible. And the next set of people I get are entrepreneurs that have tried and struggled and are overwhelmed probably for about one to two years and they're finally ready to quit messing around and get serious and finally make their business work and stop downloading all the free stuff on the internet and just make it work. Yeah. Finally get some help, get a coach, <laughs> right. get a mentor. Yeah. So two different types. Let's talk about the, the first one, which is that person who's working in the corporate world. What has stood out as a common theme that those people are struggling with? A common theme of those few, let me think yeah, about Yeah, so like what is it that they say often that's the reason why they've had enough, why they have to get out of the corporate world? Right. A lot of times they're saying, I've been, I listen to all the podcasts and I, <laughs> I download everything and I don't know what to do. And so that's, that's the problem with sequencing, because if you're downloading random things from everyone, you're going to get things in the wrong order. And <laughs> they're usually frustrated with their job. Most of them have a very long commute. Uh, some of them are even friends with their boss, but they just know, they know there's something more out there. They know they were meant for more. They see other people uh, online having the success and they think that they think I can do that too. Um, even though they're scared, they're, they think, you know, I know more about blah, blah, blah than that person. And she has a podcast about it or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and do you think it comes down to a lot of people don't know where or how to get started in making that transition? I do. I, I do think uh, that is a big they're overwhelmed by that, certainly, especially if they are listening to a whole bunch of other podcasts. I keep hearing that word. I don't even know my avatar. I don't I don't know <laughs> my passive income, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> let's let's start. <laughs> let's start with the basics first. <laughs> yeah. And so then for the other type of client that you get, the existing small business owner who's I don't know if you use the word stuck, but they're they're, they're just at that point where they're not where they want to be, or they were like where you were, you had a successful business, but it just wasn't a fit. So is that what you're finding? What is it that you commonly hear as to why they're reaching out for help after a couple years in business? Yeah, they're overwhelmed, particularly by technology. And like I said, I'm 41, but I'm very interested in technology. So it's really, it's really easy for me to navigate it. Um, a lot of people I attract are over 30, so they're, they haven't grown up with technology like the millennials that are coming out now. Uh, completely overwhelmed. Uh, they don't outsource anything. They are online all day long on Facebook or listening to podcasts or um, they're, they're doing things that are more kind of the internet famous stuff instead of focusing on revenue generating activities and making money. So a lot of them say, well, I've had a blog for, you know, a year and I'm, I'm on all the social media. I have 20,000 followers and they have no money. They have no, you know, perhaps their husband supporting them or they had the savings from corporate or they're liquidating their 401k. But they're kind of doing those those internet famous things and not the actual making money pieces. And those two concepts intertwine, but not in the beginning. You definitely have to have your priorities on that in the beginning. 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And that's where you're saying they're, they're finally ready to get serious and get some real help and coaching to take it to the next level. Correct. Well, great. So let me ask you, speaking of growing in a business, uh, I know you were faced with the challenge of certainly when you were doing the decluttering business where you were doing an in-person type of delivery and you had to transition to a more virtual or online and maybe you have better words for it, but in a more leverage mode so that you could be wherever and still operate your business. Tell me about that transition and some of the struggles you faced in making that transition. Yeah, I have to say that a lot of the struggles were my own mindset around it. I worked with people in person for so long, I kept feeling like they wouldn't sign up if I wasn't in person. Or when you're doing a lot of in-person networking, a lot of the people assume, well, we met in person this time. Aren't we going to meet in person uh, you know, for our sessions? even though they were totally unnecessary because I was teaching time management and productivity and not necessarily getting my hands dirty with the professional organizing on hands-on kind, kind of service. So a lot of it was, was my own mindset. And what I did is I, uh, I had a bunch of clients for productivity training and I told them that I was going to be out of town, but we could still have our sessions online. And they, they said, okay, just this once, okay, yeah, that's cool. And uh, it worked out so well. They were so much more focused because they're not talking about, oh, you're, you're great shoes and getting into all kinds of random chit-chat conversations. We are on the phone, you know, go uh, instead of that. And the other piece of struggling was what I just uh, spoke about, uh, I know it so well because I did it for four years is, you know, going after those pieces that are internet famous and not focusing on the revenue generating activities. Yeah, that's great. And so it, it, it was a fear you had that you would lose all of these clients and maybe you did lose some, but, but you certainly gained others where this was a better way to do it anyway. Yeah, it was my own self holding myself back because the marketplace is so much bigger online, but I was still just hustling up the networking groups at Orange County, just thinking like I didn't want to, you know, break something that was working. Yeah, yeah, no, I can understand that. All right, so maybe we should end this at the outset, but define what is, uh, I think you call it home free or freedom based <laughs> lifestyle. What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, for me, it meant being time and location independent, but 99% of my clients are in some sort of home base with their children or their husband has a job or something like that. So it is really just the mindset of being able to go if if a travel opportunity comes up or just having more time to that free time or time for their children and so forth. So I work with my clients to have a basically a three-day work week, if they so choose. Right, yeah, that's fantastic. For me, that's always been one of the values that I always wanted to get out of being my own boss is that freedom of location. Now, I didn't, didn't get that initially. It's just over the last few years that I've been transitioning to businesses that either are going to be manager-managed, in other words, I don't have to be there on the brick-and-mortar premises, or businesses that I can conduct like this podcast where it doesn't matter where I am, I can still do this part of the business. So, um, But not everybody has necessarily the ability to transition right into that type of business or am I looking at it the wrong way? Is that part of 
that initial lifestyle design that you look for the right type of business that fits what I'm looking for lifestyle wise? Right. Well, you'd be really surprised. I can almost uh, shift any brick and mortar business into an online business. So you wouldn't think a, a dog groomer could have an online business, would you? And right. uh, definitely we've had a, a dog groomer. What we did, what she wanted to be location independent and was, you know, getting a little older, didn't want to be on her feet all day grooming the dogs. Uh, but what we found is she still loved the industry and loved the topic and everything. So now what she's doing is writing the content and doing the social media for other dog groomers because they don't have time to do that. They uh, are grooming the dogs. So as you can see, something you think is not going to be location independent, can, there's definitely a way. Yeah, very interesting. That's a great example. All right. I, I want to talk about one topic also that I know you help your clients with, and that's procrastination. We are all <laughs> challenged with that, no matter what type of business we have. So share with me some of your strategies for overcoming procrastination. Yeah, for me, it, it all goes back to your desires and your main goals. So the one big thing about procrastination is not putting the extra busy work and all that junk on your to-do list in the first place. So being super clear on what you want and your desires and if you want to be internet famous or make money, like those kind of decisions, being really clear and awake about them. Uh, and a, you know, the typical tip everyone gives is to break the bigger tasks down. And that is just something that is, because I'm doing so many large projects now, I'm really seeing that as being... Uh, just a huge uh, tip because I'll put, I use Asana for my project management and you can just type one tiny little task and hit enter and it just all gets in there as you are brainstorming. Uh, so that's one thing. And my biggest thing that is pushed me forward, uh, even when I didn't want to, is locking myself in. And what I mean by that is uh, getting into podcasting. I didn't have a show yet. I didn't have an idea for a show yet. And then I made this deal with Hilton Waikoloa in Hawaii to for them to sponsor the show before I even had a show. So when I started getting into podcasting and seeing how much work it was and how time consuming it was, I was, you know, if I didn't have that deal with the Hilton, I might not have gone through with it. But it was something I wanted. But I, looking back, I don't know if I would have gone through with it without the partnership. Yeah, you committed to that and that forced you to have to get ready for it, right? Have to do it. Right, have to do it. And it was something deep down I did desire to do consciously. I did want a podcast, but in the trenches of it, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I would have done this without the, the, the partnership. Sure. And I know in my experience, I tend to procrastinate on the things that are hard or difficult or that I don't have a lot of confidence in. Those are the things that I tend to procrastinate on, but I, but I love that tip and I've, I have used that. And mm -hmm. even I, I can imagine it also can work with a coach where that coach keeps you accountable, right? So I've committed to my coach or mentor, I'm going to get X thing done. And maybe like you said, it's just one small component or step in that direction, but I've committed that I'm going to have that done by the time we talk again two weeks from now. That can help as well, can it not? I totally agree. And I can, I can literally feel it in my gut when my clients are kind of backsliding or procrastinating about something out of fear or they don't understand something. I can I can feel it. And so I'm 
happy to step in and help them or kind of talk them through their, remind them of their true desires or talk them out of it, I guess. So along these lines, procrastination is often on something that's hard or we keep putting it off for some reason. Those bigger projects, whether let's say you're writing something or having to record something, how do you tackle them? Are you the type of person who believes in tackling the hardest thing first in the morning? Just give me your insights as to how you deal with that. I'm actually more when my energy is at its peak. So probably around four in the afternoon is for me. I'm not a morning person. Like I said, uh, that would be, I would say more work with your own energy instead of trying to force yourself into something you think you should. I, you know, you always try to force yourself because you think, oh, I got to get bright and early and be a part of the society (laughs) and everything. And it just doesn't, it's so hard arguing with myself to do something at that time when, you know, three, four o'clock rolls around, I just put out 80 pages, no problem. Uh, Another tip I have for that is if anyone's visual or needs to touch things, uh, get some packs of sticky notes and write just one idea per note and then arrange your project on a wall or a window until it makes sense. So that's how I created all my packages. They were all sticky notes on my wall with one idea per note and I just rearranged them until they made sense. So that will work for a book or a sales page or whatever you're trying to write. Yeah, great tip and thank you for supporting the fact that I'm also not a normal <laughs> person and I believe completely in what you said that you have to find your own rhythms, your own productivity rhythms. You have to figure that out, especially someone like myself and you who home office, some kind of home or wherever your Mm -hmm. location might be. You have to find what those rhythms are and not beat yourself up because everybody says you're supposed to get up at seven and meditate and do whatever. Not that that doesn't work for people, but it doesn't work for everybody. Right. The routines do help, but you don't have to do them at a certain time. Definitely routines though. Yeah. So, okay, so routine. So let's speak to that. What routine do you apply then to a hard project, a task that you've been putting off? Is there a, a routine? You you mentioned obviously the sticky notes and getting the brain going. Uh, you mentioned uh, the to-do list and deciding versus internet famous versus what's going to make you money. But you know it's a project has to get done. What's your routine then to get started on it? My routine to get started on it is to clear absolutely everything off my calendar. I don't check email. I don't answer the phone. I I don't have client meetings and tackle it. And I've developed a system recently for this because what I noticed, I went back all the way to January and looked at all my clients and they were naturally taking one week off a month from our calls. They wouldn't schedule them. And so I too would value a week off from random calls and things like that. So I added an implementation week to all my packages where one week a month they can uh, either do a big project like their website or a sales page or put their packages together, something that they really need to focus on and it's big. Uh, They can catch up or do their content for the following month so they're way ahead of the game for the following month. Or it's usually the last week of the month. So if they haven't hit their sales numbers yet, they can really hustle that week and get their sales numbers achieved. All right. So blocking out a period of time. But if I'm understanding it correctly, you'll block out a week's worth of time? 
a week. Yeah, a whole week per month now. And I'm having my clients do the same. And, you know, if you don't have anything to catch up on, by all means, take a vacation. But um, I, you know, I love the fact of just this uninterrupted time to completely do a large project. Like if you're going to redo your website, or if you haven't hit your sales goal yet, totally kill it that week or get your content ready for the next month. So you don't have to worry about it. So for me, for my type of business, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, there's no way I can block out a week. So what I do, and I'm sure some of your clients do as well, is, and it's been working fairly well, is I'll block out an hour or two Mm -hmm. hours, but I'm disciplined about that every day. And so this has been working fairly well for me recently, is that on a big project, I'll I'll block out an hour a day, and like you say, no interruptions. And I only do, it might go over a little bit, but I purposely stop. In other words, leaving me hopefully hungry for more the next day. But that's how I've been time blocking because I, I can't block out an entire week, at least not right now in my business. Right. And I didn't I didn't think I could either. It's kind of along the lines of I didn't think I could switch my in-person clients to online. Mm-hmm. And then that was that was just my mindset around it. But I kind of wanted to do this. And then when I looked back at my calendar and found the evidence of, oh my gosh, they're taking a week off here and there anyway, because they did have some big project to do or they were on vacation. So it just gave me the green light to implement that. Uh, and I'm the type that I'm kind of all or nothing. So I, a, an hour here and there is, I, it's just not going to happen for me. I yeah. have to have a big chunk of time. No, that's valid. It's a good challenge. See, yeah. now, do you then have systems and people, whether it's virtual or hired around you, that take care of the noise during that one week? Uh, the, yeah, it's pretty pretty much set up. Uh, I mean, I'll check email here and there, but I won't have it open. Uh, I'll maybe check it once a day instead of four times a day. Uh, and then the, my uh, my clients have just been basically trained that that's, that's the week we do we do the implementation. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of noise in my business. The my calendar is set with the days that I'm available, and people schedule their times whether it's for my free Aloha session or for their real client sessions. They just schedule it on their own anyway. So I just block out the dates. Yeah, oh, wonderful. That's great. All right. Keys to your business success so far. I mean, one of the things I heard, I believe I'm hearing is you have a great ability, have had a great ability to, the the word that's in vogue now is to pivot. So you've made a lot of right hand and left hand turns throughout your life to get you to where you are. So I I get that's probably a strength, but what else do you think has been a key to your business success? Yeah, pivoting has been huge. Listening to who's coming to me naturally, uh, acquaintances and networking partners, who's coming to me naturally and what are they asking for? That's how I evolved from a productivity expert to a actual business coach was because people were constantly coming to me with not just how do I get clients on Twitter, but how do I get clients on Twitter and not spend all day on Twitter? <laughs> so those kind of those kind of questions. And another thing, I mean, I have the attitude, I I really don't have anything to lose. So I will just go and ask Hilton if they'll sponsor me and kind of that no matter what, nothing to lose attitude, I think has helped a lot. And not listening to the a lot of the gurus. Not listen like who I have this who says they say you have to email your list three times a week. Like 
who made up that rule? And <laughs> why, why do you need so many downloads before you get a sponsor? Like that's why I, I just, I just don't like those kind of rules. <laughs> that's great. That's great. You think you've always had that personality? I, I think so. Uh, I mean, my ex-husband will tell you, God, you're so offended. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, you broke out there. I may have canceled out oh. your, your, your microphone. Say that again. Oh, my, my ex-husband will tell you that I am so darn independent. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, so that, that does a great insights as to what's made you successful. So uh, we'll start to wrap it up, but we've touched on what you do, but just summarize again what you do in this capacity of of freedom-based luxury lifestyle designer. What does that mean in summary again, and how do you offer your services to your clients? Right, so I do one-to-one -one coaching, VIP day intensives, and I have a group program. And within all those programs, basically the same content, just how fast do you want it? And how and it is it in person or a self-study kind of thing. So we help people to figure out what their passions are, build a business around it. But before we do all that, we dive into the type of lifestyle they want, how many days a week they would like to work, if they want to be location independent or not, uh, if they have any technology fears or issues. Uh, and uh, what's a little bit different is my whole technology team, web designers, SEO people, I make them available to my clients so they don't have to go out and find a web designer or honestly what used to happen they'd get ripped off by you know a web designer or something not to bash web designers but that's what kept happening there you know something would go awry with that or the marketing messaging that we were working so hard on got lost in translation when we would turn it over so i'm glad to have that in house now um basically getting people if they're not already making about 5000 a month in their business definitely focusing on that before we do any sort of polishing before we you know change the logo or do anything like that getting them to that most people that i interview have i i ask them what's your survival number and what's your it would be nice monthly number and what is your big time you know <laughs> income per month and most of them say about 5000 per month so we try uh to get them to that point as quick as possible and then then they have the money and the confidence and even the funds to invest more in their business should they want to do facebook ads or something so i'm about them getting to a stable income first and then messing around with all that other stuff Okay. And, and then the podcast, the Erica Duran show, what's that about? Yeah, the podcast, the Erica Duran show uh, and the web TV show are, are a lot of uh, tips for entrepreneurs, uh, productivity tips, uh, sales training, mindset, all that kind of stuff entrepreneurs need. I do a weekly podcast and the web TV show is kind of in more, more or less seasons. <laughs> okay. Excellent. All right. So before I ask you about a book, tell me about your fascination with shipwrecks. <laughs> you did do your research. <laughs> yeah, it. I, I have this weird fascination with shipwrecks and not just shipwrecks, but all kinds of disasters. I'm just fascinated by earthquakes and they like it's pretty weird. But then weird. I yeah, I thought about it and either I've been in something weird in my past lives or something. But what I really think it is, is 
when that kind of stuff happens, you see people's true personality and you see them step up to the plate or not, or you see them go into panic. So I think I'm just fascinated by that piece of it. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So what's the most fascinating shipwreck for you? Well, of course, it's uh, Titanic because of all the controversy around it and everything. And people, when the movie came out, everyone's like, oh, you just like the movie. And I'm like, no, I've been studying this for 10 years. It's not because <laughs> of this silly movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating story. And the movie was great. One of the things I remember, I mean, the movie, obviously, you can look right. back at it now and think it was a teeny bopper movie. But I thought it, what I loved about it, besides it being just very entertaining, is the way he blended in visually helping me understand what was happening to the boat, right? So when they did that opening stuff where they right. model it, I thought that was genius because then when the chaos is going on, I already had a mental picture of what was happening to the boat, right? The fact that it was sinking and then it broke in mm -hmm. half. I, they didn't have to do that at that point because that they had modeled it when he was explaining it when they were exploring it in current time. I thought that was brilliant. Right. That was brilliant. And just to show you how uh, crazy I am, I had my second wedding on the Queen Mary, which really ah. looks like the Titanic. And we had a movie slash slideshow in the middle of our lives growing up. And we did that uh, railing scene in the movie. So my whole guest room full of guests was just cracking up in the, you know, because we did this little movie out of it. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the one to tell you you're not normal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So book recommendation for our listeners. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned four hour work week, of course, but that one's probably over recommended. Uh, and think and grow rich is really over recommended. So I like to recommend the science of getting rich was as a little less known. I think I don't hear about it as much. And it really speaks to what's going on today with all the competition and comparison because of the because so, of social media, you know, scrolling through Facebook, you can feel horrible about yourself, <laughs> seeing everyone else, everyone else's success or people traveling or whatever your 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 issues are. So I think that book speaks really well to there's enough clients for everyone, there's enough money for everyone. And it, it does a really good job on that. Yeah, great recommendation, The Science of Getting Rich. I'll have a link to that on the show notes page for this episode, and you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. All right, two more questions. Uh, one is final thoughts, final piece of advice for our audience from a business or personal perspective. Yeah, I, I this cliche of life's short, uh, it, it can really get you going after your passions and it's just thrown around so much that I don't think people really stop and see how short life really is and that you have to stop being a couchpreneur and really get out there if you want to make this happen for yourself. I mean, we only get one one shot at at life, you know, as far as I know. Right. And <laughs> and uh it just it's just amazing to me the people that commute and come home and watch TV. Like I, I haven't had a TV for like 20 years. I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. I love that couchpreneur. And, <laughs> and I just, people just, and they end up so bitter and angry. And you know, I, I connect with friends on Facebook that I knew from early childhood and teenage years. And it's, oh, I hate Mondays. Like, you know, I haven't hated a Monday in a long time. I, I love getting up and doing what I do. <laughs> I wish everybody else felt that way, right? Wouldn't we be much better and happier society if that was the case for everybody? 
Yeah, I have no clue usually what day it is. I yeah, have same no thing clue. for me. Same <laughs> thing for me. Excellent. So where can people go to find out more about you and your business? Well, my online hub for everything is at ericaduran.co. So you can find links if you're for your favorite social media uh, or anything like that. There's a, a webinar on there that's very educational with no pitches in it. There's uh, also a free guide, the 10 secrets to snagging high paying clients that you could download for free on there. Oh, wonderful. And we'll have a link to your site on our site, which is the howofbusiness.com at the show notes page. You just got to type in Erica Duran and her show notes page will come up. Erica, thanks for spending this time with us and sharing all this great knowledge and sharing insights into your life. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, a very uh, thorough interview with questions I don't normally get, so I love it. Good. I appreciate that. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.